Grab your copy of God's Word if you have a copy handy. We're going to be going to John chapter 4, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 4. And we're going to be focusing on John chapter 4 beginning in verse 43. This is one of the signs or miracles that John included to point to Jesus and his identity as the Son of God. John chapter 4 beginning in verse 43. Now, in a moment, I'll talk through this passage together, and I'll give some context to how we got to this spot. I want to start today by asking you to consider with me that God is so gracious and merciful towards us. How many would agree? God is so gracious and merciful towards us. He gives us the opportunity, and many of us in this room, many of us maybe even online, we've had the opportunity to recognize who Jesus really is. God is so gracious and so merciful that He gives us the opportunity to experience the present life, the full and abundant life that He promised, and also the eternal life that only He can give whether it's uh, the journey to believing in Jesus, the, we can all think back to the moment before we were saved, before we started this journey with Him, whether it was the journey to believe in Jesus, or whether it's that now many of us are on the journey of growing in our belief and our faith in Jesus, growing in, in who He is and what He can do. God is so gracious and merciful to us that He gives us the opportunity to know Him to serve Him, to live in Him. Aren't you thankful for the grace and mercy of God? Grace is that we've received what we didn't deserve. Mercy is that we didn't receive what we really deserved. Really, it's only because of God's grace and mercy that we are who we are and where we are today. In John chapter 4, picking up in verse 43, our text talks about a royal official whose son was very sick. Now, to give you a little context, the royal official was connected to a leader, somewhat referred to as king, but, but in that time probably referred more to as tetrarch, uh, Herod Antipas. And, and this royal official was connected to him either by bloodline or by his role in serving in the kingdom or by both. The, the point being that what you need to know about this royal official is he was powerful, he was influential, and he was wealthy. And it's very possible that this son being sick would have led to this father, this royal official, using his power, influence, and wealth to try to help his son get better. His son was very, very sick. Scripture gives us context that he had a fever that was a symptom of whatever was the deeper issue that was going on, and he was near death. The same word sick to describe this boy is the same word sick used to describe Lazarus's condition before he died, and of course Jesus ultimately raised him back to life. Now if you're a parent in the room, you can understand with me Many of us may have experienced having a sick child. And I'm not just talking about the common cold. I'm not even just talking about some of the things that have gone around recently that nobody knows what to call. 
I'm, I'm not just talking about even, even a pandemic or other things like this. I'm, I'm sure that many of us as parents have been through moments where we felt helpless to change our children's situations and alarmed at what's going on. Two of our children, uh, Amber and I, two of our children, three, we have three girls and two of them have spent some time at some point, well actually all three if you count tonsils and adenoid surgery, that's pretty common, but if you count other more intense moments, two of our girls spent time in the hospital somewhere along their journey. Our first, our oldest child, about a month into her life, uh, went into the hospital, was diagnosed with failure to thrive, scary time, having to learn how to feed her in such a way that she didn't burn off more calories trying to eat and soothe acid reflux than what she was actually taking in by eating. And then our youngest child, about uh, two days after we got home with her from the hospital, she could not catch her breath. It started one night when she was asleep on me. It was the, the night after we'd gotten home from the hospital. She was, she was on my arm asleep, and like you do as parents, you're just watching them sleep, and then all of a sudden couldn't catch her breath. And, and I'm in panic mode. I'm yelling to the back of the house, Amber, please come quick, uh, just making sure what's going on. And she caught her breath the next day, had another spell. This time even got to the point of where she started to change color. And so it, it resulted in short version, an ambulance. It resulted in a local hospital flown by helicopter to a children's hospital, uh, spending time in there with, with jaundice issues. And then eventually... Uh, in the hospital for about a week, take a few days between back in the hospital, having surgery. We've, we've been through some things, and i got to tell you, it's, it's hard to watch your child suffer. It's hard to watch your child suffer and feel like you can't do anything to fix it. So we can understand in this moment how desperate this father must have felt. The royal official got some good news when he heard that the miracle worker, Jesus, was back in Cana of Galilee. The last time Jesus had been in Cana of Galilee, he turned water into wine. And initially, only the servants that were involved in the miracle of that wedding family knew who was responsible for the miracle. They knew that Jesus had told them to put water in the jars and to take some to the master of the banquet. But by this point, certainly word had spread of the miracle that had been done. Add to it the fact that there had been some Galileans in Jerusalem for one of the feasts, and so word spread from the Galileans who had been in Jerusalem, people who had seen Jesus do miraculous things. We commend the royal official right on the front end because he had the faith and the belief enough, be it even small, to travel to Cana to seek Jesus to come and heal his son. Now, Think about that. If you're in a desperate spot and you're feeling kind of hopeless and you feel like the situation is not getting better, especially if you've spent your time, energy, and resources to try to help get the situation better and nobody can seem to do anything, then you can see how wonderful it is that the man even believed enough to go to Cana to ask Jesus to come and heal his son. The official was in Capernaum, so the trip was about 15 to 20 miles, which was much more of a journey than it would be today. It's not as easy as just getting up this morning and driving over to the church. The journey would have been a lot more complicated. 
But there was a big belief in that day that in order for a prophet or a magician even to have greatest work, that person had to be present. That person had to be in the room on the scene. So the official, with that kind of that mindset of cultural context, intended to go to find Jesus, to ask Jesus to come back to Capernaum and to heal his son. So when he arrived in Cana of Galilee, the official found Jesus and asked him to do just that. Author Mark Batterson said, The circumstances we ask God to change are often the circumstances God is using to change us. The royal official sought Jesus in desperate faith. We'll call it desperate faith for his son. And and even those in our world today who claim no allegiance to God can find themselves praying when facing an unexpected crisis. I can promise you, in the moments of having my own daughters in the hospital and dealing with health issues, I can promise you that I found a spot to seek God because you feel that desperation. Even the people who claim no religion, even the people who say that they don't believe in God, in moments of crisis, they're seeking for help. And Jesus recognized even small faith in this man and used this opportunity to help the faith and belief of this royal official grow, not just for what Jesus could do, but for who Jesus was. Now, Jesus' response to the man probably feels a little bit like a rebuke, and honestly, in some way it was. In his home region of Galilee, people did not accept Jesus for who he was. But many of them were only interested in Jesus for what he could do for them. In fact, the scripture itself in John 4 tells us that the Galileans welcomed Jesus, in this case in particular, because they'd seen the miraculous things that Jesus did in Jerusalem during his travels. Notice it does not say they believed in Jesus, it simply says they welcomed him on the scene. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were the same way. They were only interested in what Jesus could do. And many, many times throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, they would say to Jesus, do a miracle and we'll believe you. Do something right now on the spot and we'll believe who you are. Of course, they, they didn't and Jesus didn't entertain it that way. It's kind of ironic that in the context of what took place between John chapter 2... And our passage of Scripture today in John chapter 4, it's kind of ironic that the people who had put the greatest faith in Jesus were the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered a lower class of people by Jewish people. And yet when Jesus passed through, Jesus didn't even do a miracle. And yet John chapter 4 verse 41 says that many people believe simply because of the words of Jesus. They believed without him even doing a miracle. Any rebuke from Jesus is only to bring awareness to an area that needs growth in our lives. In fact, the Bible would go far enough to say he only disciplines those he loves. He works for our good. So this rebuke of Jesus towards the royal official was that the man was seeking Jesus for what he could do for his son, understandably so, but Jesus 
wanted to use this encounter to bring the royal official to a greater level of faith, a greater level of belief, a faith that believed in Jesus' identity as the Son of God, unlike so many others who were around Jesus. So Jesus' rebuke wasn't just to the man, it was really also to all the people who were nearby listening, who were demanding signs as a way of believing in Jesus. Now, while this man's son may have needed healing, what he and his entire household needed more than anything was to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. The same is true in all of our lives. We may face some situations and some circumstances. We may need healing in moments. We may need some direction in moments. All of that can be true. But in reality, our greatest need in our lives is to know Jesus as the Son of God and to experience spiritual life in Him that we would otherwise not have. It's certainly not wrong to bring our needs to God. In fact, Scripture teaches us that we should bring our needs to God. We should make our requests known to God and trust Him to meet our needs with incredible provision. But too many people in life treat Jesus as their genie. And they only run to God in moments of desperation. Their faith and their belief never translates into a a life full of love and devotion to Jesus indicated by a life that follows and obeys Him. They run to God when they need Him to come through and then they live their own way, their own life the rest of the time. But when people realize the true identity of Jesus and they in turn realize all that He has done for us and can do because of who He is and, and all of the ways that He's provided for us and His love for us, when people recognize how as God Himself, He humbled Himself for us, people can't help but truly, fully surrender to Him. Jesus, just like with every other person He interacted with, knew the heart of this man. And he knew that this man had enough faith to travel and to find him so he could heal his son. And Jesus recognized that this man's heart was open to more. So Jesus used this as an opportunity to point this royal official to more than just one need met, but rather to his greatest purpose. This was more than just an opportunity to know Jesus in one moment of need. This was an opportunity for the royal official to know Jesus personally and to experience life in him for eternity. If Jesus had just met the need, the son could could have been healed, and yet the entire household could have still gone to hell for eternity because they didn't believe in Jesus as the Son of God and experienced the life that only Jesus could bring. Jesus change one thing, or Jesus could change everything. And what I love about God and His grace and mercy is that He's not wasting opportunities. The royal's official's faith was growing. He persisted, even in spite of of maybe recognizing I'm a lot like all these other people around here. I'm coming to Jesus because I really need my son to be healed. But his faith was growing, so he persisted in asking Jesus to come back to Capernaum with him and to heal his son. He believed that Jesus could do it. But in his grace and mercy, Jesus healed his son, but in a different purposeful way to impact this man's faith even more. Look at verse 50, the beginning of the verse. Jesus said, go, your son will live. 
with a simple word, Jesus issued an opportunity to this man for even greater faith. Jesus didn't travel back to Capernaum. That was what the the man had intended to happen. That was his plan in his son receiving relief. But simply proving his powerful ability greater than anyone else, Jesus spoke the word to heal this man's son. Think about it. This father had likely tried to help his son. He had the influence and the wealth to do so, and yet his son was still dying. But with just one word from Jesus, just one word from Jesus, things changed. Notice the remainder of that verse, verse 50. Jesus said, Go, your son will live. And the man responded by taking Jesus at his word and departed. Faced with an opportunity to believe Jesus and his word or not, the man believed in Jesus and his word. He had growing faith. This encounter with Jesus was doing something in his heart. The official didn't question Jesus. Wait a minute, I need you to come do this in person. The official didn't seem to have any doubt. The Bible just indicates that he journeyed towards home. And even though Jesus didn't do it like the man may have thought or planned, Jesus called him to a greater faith in believing his word was true. And on his way home, his faith had an opportunity to continue to grow even more. Verse 51, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that this boy was living. Can you imagine how that would feel? I mean, really, put yourself in those shoes for a moment. Your child is laying there dying, and you're met on the road home after interacting with Jesus, and now nothing else seemed to work, but now Jesus has given his word, and the servants are meeting you on the road and telling you that your son is alive. When he inquired, notice this, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, I just, I just need to know, when did this happen? When he inquired as to when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. No longer had this royal official just seen Jesus as a miracle worker, but he recognized the the reason he had the power to do miracles was because he was Jesus, the Son of God. He recognized that what Jesus did was evidence, was a result of his identity, of who he was. No longer did he just know or hear about Jesus, but now he knew who Jesus was. It's as if he would say to himself, I now know the Son of God. He did this in my son's life because of who he is. Notice the royal official believed, and so did his entire household. The father certainly had great influence, as any male did on his home in that time. And certainly, he would have told them of his encounter with Jesus and the, in, the impact of the interaction on his way home as he aligned the reality that Jesus' word and the timing of his son's healing was exactly the same. But remember, these family members also had their own experience. 
they were first-hand witnesses too of a son and a sibling who was on his deathbed now seemingly out of nowhere to them with no more sickness at all. Only Jesus could do this. And he could do it because he was the Son of God. And this household experienced life. And it wasn't just the physical life. That was just the, the surface, if you will. That was just the miracle portion of this. But they believed in Jesus and experienced the full life, the beginning of eternal life from Jesus, spiritual life. In both cases, physical and spiritual life, it only came, life only came by believing in Jesus and because of Jesus' work. I remind you, John chapter 20, verse 31 John said his purpose in writing the gospel were that these signs are written that you may do what? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John said, I've documented these things. I'm writing them down. Some of them separate accounts from what happens in the other three Gospels. I'm writing these things down so that you will recognize who Jesus really is. Because when you believe in Him, when you put your faith in Him as to start the journey and to continue the journey, you will experience life because of Jesus. So what do we take away? Let me give you a few thoughts to chew on today with me. Number one. We started in this way. God is so gracious and merciful that He gives us opportunities to grow in faith on this journey. He gives us opportunities to see who He really is. He gives us the opportunity to recognize His identity and His power as a result. His Word speaks The Bible is not a book among other books. It's not just a collection of nicely, neatly put together stories. The past work of Jesus, of God the Father, of Him through other people, all of it is documented for our benefit and His identity is clearly defined so that we may believe. God is so gracious that when Jesus ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit Uh, came on the scene, if you will, and convinced people and still is convincing people today, drawing them to the truth of Jesus. Many convincing proofs exist in our world of the identity and existence of God, but then the Holy Spirit is at work in the hearts and lives of people to draw them, to convince them, to convict them of the reality that God is real and wants relationship with people. God is so gracious and so merciful that people who are marred with sin can still somehow learn of truth and respond. And even in our darkness, even in our sinfulness, even in our nastiness, on our best day, we can't compare to God's glorious standard. But yet in the middle of all of that, God is gracious and merciful to give us an opportunity to see who He really is. God is so gracious and so merciful that He gives us an opportunity to grow in faith on this journey. Secondly today, while we prefer a life of ease, even hardships can provide the opportunity for our faith in Jesus to grow. 
if I was to poll people today to take a, an unscientific survey, and I said, you know what, this week you can choose to have easy, an easy week and life, everything to go perfectly well the way you think it should go. Some of you are already nodding your heads. Or if the other option is, you know, I think I'd like to go through a few valleys this week. I think I'd like to face a few seemingly insurmountable mountains. I don't know anyone in their right mind who would pick by choice to go through the hard times. Who wants to experience grief? Who wants to experience loss? Who wants to experience broken moments? Who wants to see people suffer? Nobody would pick these things. But had the royal official not faced a near-death experience with his son... Would he have gone to Jesus? Would he have encountered Jesus at some point and had the opportunity for faith to grow? Would he and his household believed in Jesus and been saved to experience the fullness of life in Jesus? Listen, let me make sure your theology doesn't get twisted with me here. God doesn't cause everything to happen. Some of the things that are happening are a product of the fact that we live in a fallen, sinful world. But in the midst of those moments as Christ followers and as people who are cracking the door open to let God work in our lives, He will often use even the crisis moments as opportunities for our faith and belief to grow in Him. We can go through some things and experience some things, but in the midst of it we will experience His faithfulness and will be better on the other side of it. James wrote in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Consider it pure joy. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I'll take the easy life. I'll take the one without the struggle. But how do you testify of the goodness and faithfulness of God? if you haven't been through something to learn the goodness and faithfulness of God. What you go through will continue to prove who you serve and your faith will have an opportunity to grow. And I've learned through life and through Scripture that God responds to faith. And there are times in life that I, I, I think we can... We can pressure ourselves to the point of feeling like it's, it's got to be faith that's so magnanimous that God can't miss it. You know, that my, but the reality is, as human beings, much like the psalmist picked out often through his writings, through dealing with everything that was going on in life, in, as human nature, as human beings, we deal with the potential for doubt. We deal with the potential for struggle. We deal with the potential for the situations that are surrounding us and going on in our lives to dictate where our level of belief is. But even Scripture talks about the faith the size of a mustard seed being able to bring about God's response in our lives. Even to those people, I'm convinced today, uh, I, I just believe so greatly in the grace and mercy of God and, and His desire to work in people's lives that I believe even in the lives of people who are just barely cracking the door open to God. You know, maybe there's something more to this Jesus. 
Maybe there's something more to what's captured in Scripture. Maybe even people who haven't fully made the decision to follow Jesus, they're just barely cracking the door open, or maybe they've even just got a hand on the doorknob to even open it to consider the things of God. I believe in those moments that those who will have even just a little faith to do that, Jesus will be faithful to reveal himself. To those who haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you're in that spot where you're just, you're just now only kind of cracking the door. You say, well, maybe there is something to this Jesus. Maybe there is something to this Bible. I invite you. Jesus invites you to open the door, to go on the journey of discovering who Jesus really is. And as a result, you will find that if you believe in him, he will bring life, life, life to you. Not, I'm not talking about life in the sense of physical, material prosperity. I'm not talking about life in the sense of everything being perfect and matching all of the things that society says you need in order to have the right status. I'm talking about an inward peace and an inward joy and an inward power and an inward reality that the God of the universe is your Father and that He loves you and that He'll help you and that He'll guide you to know that you're at peace with God. That's life. That's life. If you'll open the door, you'll discover that he's not just some genie that you run to just in time of need, but Jesus is God and he's Savior and he's Lord and he's the one who deserves our attention, our love, our surrender, our devotion, that he is truly different from all others, above all others, greater than all others. I call on you today that if you haven't made that decision, that you will learn who Jesus really is and then grow in faith as he reveals himself to you. Take him at his word to hear and obey and truly be Jesus' followers. And then to Jesus' followers, because we're not exempt. We too face things that can cause us to live in a spot of doubt, that can cause us to question what's going on. I would challenge you today, even when the emotional side of who we are doesn't quite seem to align with what we know the Bible says, live by the Bible even when you don't feel like it. Live by who God is, His identity, and His Word, even if you don't quite feel like it. I, I urge you today to continue to keep your attention towards Jesus and to continue to grow in your faith and belief in Him. Believe in His promises. Even when all you have in that moment is the Word of God, hold to the Word of God. Look what one word from God can do. Believe in Jesus and believe in Jesus because of who He is. Even when you don't see immediate evidence in life situations, believe in Jesus even when what He does doesn't align with what you thought would happen or how you planned life to go. Embrace the reality that with Jesus it's not seeing to believe, but when you believe you will experience Faith is always rewarded. He responds to those who will believe in Him and who will seek Him and who will run hard after Him. He keeps responding. John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus is dealing with the disciple Thomas. I mean, think about this. 
If you want to talk about human reality and what we deal with and how we can wrestle with it sometimes, Thomas has been with Jesus. Inner circle. Okay? Seen Jesus, seen things happen. Jesus comes to life, rises from the dead, the resurrection day, and he's struggling to believe. I need to see Jesus. I need to feel his handprints. I need to know that I know that I know. And Jesus in his graciousness and his mercy appears to Thomas and lets Thomas feel the scars. But notice what Jesus then said to him. Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus spoke forward of a time when he would ascend back to heaven. We don't see him in the physical sense. But now, if you will open your heart to the Lord and you start to believe, and then we continue to believe. And the Bible says that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. We may not see him physically at this moment, but there is a work of the Holy Spirit on the inside. And there is a belief and a faith because of who he is and what he said and what what he's done, there is an understanding that one day, right now we may live faith and not by sight, but one day faith will become sight and we will be with Jesus. Faith in Jesus leads to sight. When we put our faith and belief in him, we will see and experience his provision and power. When we put our faith in him and believe in him, we will experience the full life now. And when we put our faith in him, we will experience eternal life. Whether it's through the gateway of death into eternity or whether it's through the rapture and the trumpet sound. Either way, we will experience eternal life. This week, one of my former parishioners from a few years back 90-some years old. I'll never forget, I would pull up to the church campus early in the mornings before other people would arrive, and there would be Brother Jim. And he would be trimming the hedges at the church. It's a job nobody wants. Honest to goodness. He'd be trimming the hedges. He'd be cutting, pulling the weeds. He'd be doing all these things. I'll never forget the moments in the, in the late afternoon, early evening, later in the night, the moments when I'd walk out and he's still there and he's working. Maybe he came in the morning and then went home and then came back later when it got cooled off again because it gets hot down south. I know that it's hard for you to understand what I mean by that, but it gets hot down south, so you have to pace yourself a little bit. And I'd see him. It wasn't just seeing him and what he did. It wasn't just the servant's heart. It was the conversations we would have. And I couldn't help but think of him today, as, or this week even, as I was preparing this message because he is now passed from faith to sight. I call on both groups of people today, whether you're in the, I'm just opening the door to Jesus camp, or whether you're in the, I believe in Jesus and I'm continuing to grow camp. 
I call on both of you to review the reports of Jesus and to seek to encounter Jesus and to open the door to faith in Jesus and keep believing in who he is and therefore you will also be able to experience what he can do in your life. Let me say it very simply. What this royal official found out is that believing in Jesus changes everything. Believing in Jesus changes everything. You will experience life. I felt the heart of John in this gospel this week as I was writing this message. Because what I desire more than anything for every one of you, for everyone who's online today, what I desire more than anything is for you to believe in and to know Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Yes, we bring our needs to God. Yes, we want to experience miraculous things. And we know that there are people who are facing needs and situations that that's the only answer. It's going to have to be God's supernatural work. But more than anything, I don't want you to just experience that one moment of work. I want your faith and belief in Jesus Jesus to be in who he is so that you can experience life. I want your faith and belief in Jesus to keep growing so that no matter what spot you experience in life, you will stand firm in that moment. No matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in your family, no matter what happens at work, no matter what happens in your life, that you will be able to stand firm and say, I may not understand it all. And I may not know how he does it or he's going to do it. And it may not be exactly how I thought, but I believe in Jesus. I believe in who he is. I believe he's faithful. I believe he's God. And I will follow him through it all. Through it all. I want you to stand firm. I want you to believe. Remember we talked about in the Gospel of John that the word believe is not just to believe in a moment. In one specific moment. Yes, there's a one specific moment, if you will, where salvation comes. Where you confess Him as Savior and Lord of your life. Where you believe that God raised Him from the dead. All of those things are true. There is that one moment. But belief in the understanding of that word is an ongoing journey with Jesus. I don't just believe in Him for salvation. I believe that that opened the door to the fullness of life that God wants to bring. Scripture teaches that salvation is just the beginning so much that God wants to do in our lives I pray that we be people who have faith in him like never before that we remember who we serve greater than what's happening in any situation if you're in the room today would you stand with me if you're online I'd love for you to take a moment and respond as well I'm going to ask to start with that every head would be bowed, every eye closed, and it's not a religious routine or exercise. It's more about, I I just don't want you to be distracted in this moment. I want you to be attentive to what God might say to you, what he's already saying to you. I'm going to ask, we have some people who are prayer team members. I'm going to ask them if you would come and just make your way to either side of the platform and be available because in a few moments there may be some people who would want to pray with you today. If you're some of our leaders in the room, you're welcome to come as well and make yourself available. There may be some who would like to pray today. 
There are a couple of key things I want us to do in response to this message today. And it may be it may be a greater step than what you came in prepared to do today, but I believe that the Lord is is calling on us to respond. First of all, I would say that it would it's appropriate for all of us to pause and to thank God for His grace and mercy that gives us the opportunity to encounter Him and to know Him and to grow. Only in the grace and mercy of God can any of us be saved. Can any of us experience this full, abundant life that He promised? Only because of the grace and mercy of God. I can't speak for you, but I would say the longer I've lived in relationship with the Lord, the, longer, the, the more I've realized how little I deserve anything from Him. He's been so good, so gracious, and so merciful. So wherever you are in this moment, I would challenge you even now to begin to thank God for His grace and His mercy. To begin to thank God that if you are a Jesus follower, that at some point in your life you had the opportunity to hear the gospel and you were, you were able to respond, that the Holy Spirit was tugging on your heart and you responded. Thank God for His mercy and grace that He loves you enough that He didn't just leave you to wander, but He, he brought you to Himself. Thank God today that in His grace and mercy He continues to work in your life. He continues to want to reveal Himself, to speak to you, to help you, to guide you in every way. He doesn't leave us to journey on our own, but now He will lead us if we will follow Him. Thank Him today for His grace and mercy of leading our lives. There may be some people in the room or even online today. And today, you, you're kind of in the explore stage of life. Uh, you're here maybe because someone invited you. You're here because maybe there's something inside of you that said, you know, life's not what it needs to be right now. Maybe there's an emptiness, a void. Maybe you're curious. Maybe, maybe you heard someone talking. Maybe you've, you, you've been in life and finding that other things aren't seeming to fill what's going on or what you need. And so you're curious and you're saying, you know what? I... I I hear a lot about this Jesus. I hear a lot about the Scripture, the Word of God. I, today, maybe in that explore stage, you're coming to Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm opening the door to believing in you. I'm, I'm cracking the door because, Lord, I, I want to see what's really going on here. I want to know who you are. If this is really who you are, Jesus, I want, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to experience your power in my life. I want to know life. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond, if that's you. Maybe you're in a different group today, and, and you have a need. And it would be really, really, really easy to say, you know, Lord, I do need you to change a circumstance in my life. I got some things going on right now in my life that I, I need you to come through. I need you to do a miracle. I need you to, I need you to, in your power, change what's happening. But then perhaps you recognize today as we looked through this narrative of Scripture that you're saying, Lord, that while I'm asking you to change the circumstance, while I'm going through it, I also want to be changed myself. 
What are you trying to teach me? How do you want to grow me, Lord? I want to see you, Jesus, in the midst of this. Even in this crisis, even in this seemingly impossible situation. Lord, I want to, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to grow in you. So maybe today you do need something to change. You do need a, a miracle. You do need God to do what only He can do. But you're also saying, Lord, I'm recognizing through this, I want to, I want to grow. I want to learn what you're trying to say. Maybe today you're, you're in a different group. You're following Jesus. You don't feel like you're in a crisis moment needing a supernatural miracle. But maybe today you're just joining and saying, Hey, Jesus, help me to continue in this journey of faith. Help me to never allow circumstances or situations or what's happening in the world. Help me to never let those things dictate my level of faith in you. Help me to always believe in you. Help me to never uh, be full of unbelief. Help me to never fall away from you, O oh Lord. Help me to never lose faith in you. Maybe your prayer today is, I want to stand firm in you. Whatever the case, whether you're in the exploring spot, and you're opening the door to say, Jesus, I'm inviting you to prove yourself, to show yourself in my life. If you're opening the door to say, Jesus, I believe there's more to this than just another person or historical figure. If you're saying, Jesus, I, I, there's just a sense in me, I'm responding, I'm coming to you. If you're in a need and you're saying, Lord, I, I do need your help in this situation or circumstance, but more than anything, I want you to work in my life. I want you to change my heart, change my way of thinking, open my eyes and ears of understanding to you. If you're in a place of just saying, Lord, I want to continue to grow in this journey, I want my faith to, to be deepened, to be, to be stronger like deep roots under a tree that hold it and stabilize it in place even when the winds of life blow. Whatever role is or whatever place or group you would say you fit in today I want to call you to respond so here's what we're going to do I'm going to ask you now if you're in any one of these situations would you come and find a place and begin to seek the Lord and begin to be honest before him and however it is that you're needing to respond there are people who will pray with you in this moment too I'm not going to come back and give you an official closing prayer. I want this to be a moment where you can encounter Jesus in a deeper, greater way. I want this to be a moment that maybe if you're struggling, you can come to God and be honest and you can be filled up with Him. I want this to be a moment that if you're curious and you don't know what all this is about, but you're opening the door, I want this to be the moment that you can come and just in your way of talking, just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm here. I want, to, I want to hear from you. I want to know who you are. I want to, I want to explore this, Lord. If any of those things fit you today, maybe you're struggling to believe, struggling in faith, and you just, you want to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Would you come today? And would you let God...